Welcome to the LinkedIn Life Podcast, a space where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into what makes life, work, and culture at LinkedIn so special. I'm your host, Kate Rogan, and I can't wait for you to meet some of my amazing colleagues here at LinkedIn, where we're transforming the way the world works on a daily basis. Let's get to it. On today's episode, we get to know Maggie McBennett who serves as the Vice President of LinkedIn's Global HRBP Center of Excellence. Maggie is on point for developing talent strategies that align to business strategies, and she firmly believes that business outcomes must also balance the best experiences for employees. Maggie has a BA in sociology from UC Irvine, and prior to her career in HR, she worked as a social worker with high-risk youth in California. She loves seeing live music and anything to do with her dogs. Let's talk to Maggie. Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of the LinkedIn Life Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Maggie McBennett to the show today. Welcome, Maggie. Yay! Hi! Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Excellent. Excellent. We're excited to have you because I feel like Maggie McBennett is like culture queen at LinkedIn in so many ways. Oh my God. You are so sweet to me. First of all, I really, I know I'm a business partner, but I don't have any say so over your salary. So you can butter me up all you want, but I don't know if that's going to help you in the long run. I mean, maybe, no, no, it won't. It won't. I know. I know. But thank you for that. I know. beautiful plan. I just foiled it all like a Mm Scooby-Doo movie. I did. Good, good, good. Well, Maggie, we're going to take some time today to talk a little bit about your career journey, your life and work at LinkedIn, and then uh, get to know you a little bit better. Um, To start things off, I would love to just hear about how did you get to LinkedIn? Oh, great, great question. Uh, So I am embarking on my 10th year. So this 2023 will be 10 years. And back in 2013, I'm not sure I saw 10 years on my horizon line, but that's what happens at LinkedIn. So I had the opportunity to work with a woman who had just came over to run the talent function for LinkedIn. And she had always been someone that I had just had on my personal board of directors. And she let me know about this opportunity at LinkedIn. I was incredibly excited about it. I was ready for a change and to know that one of our core values is relationships matter. Just absolutely saw that in play. Yeah. Yeah. You talked a little bit about like the relationships matter piece being really important to you. I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about that. Absolutely. I, you know, we, we speak about that and we talk about how at LinkedIn we want to bring every, you know, economic opportunity to every member of the global workforce. And part of what you recognize as you start to get more immersed in this is when you have that opportunity and those connections, how do you leverage the connections? How do you leverage the network? And when you actually think, and I'll speak specifically for myself, when I think about my career, truly my career and the doors that have opened for me were less around my education, almost always around my skills and almost always around who I knew. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like less the pedigree, more the relationships, right? More the relationships, more the skills. I mean, you know, I, I'm so proud of the work that we're doing now around how we bring this to life in a way that everybody can have that same recognition of the value that that everybody has and skills that they may not even have identified as a skill. 
I certainly didn't think about some of the things that people have spoken to me about before as a skill, but I recognize it a little bit more now. Ooh, could you give an example? My master plan was to become a case manager. I wanted to be that role, that form of social work with the group home. I had never identified myself as a leader. I had never seen where I have leadership qualities. I had never thought about myself in a leadership role. I had my mind set that I wanted to be someone who was behind the scenes and helping our residents in a way to ensure that they were ready for what was coming next at them. Very, very tactically almost. I never thought about being in, in this other capacity. And this individual saw something in me I didn't see in myself and identified those skills for me that I hadn't seen. So it was a, it was a very interesting moment when, when I reflect back on it because that shift and that pivot to being more of the front, what I would call more of the front of the house was right in my wheelhouse and I never knew it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it speaks a little bit to the power of how people can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves. A hundred percent. And it's it's funny to say out loud, right? Oh, I never thought of leadership as a skill set. It is. and I. But it wasn't like traditionally when you're learning about skills and competencies, like you don't necessarily gravitate to that. That seems like more something like you gravitate to things that are more attainable or the things that you could put more into action. And that wasn't anything I had ever thought about. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Very cool. And so I feel like people may are maybe are going to be interested in like the transition from social work oh. to tech. How did that happen? Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> we, we, I wish I had the popcorn for this. I graduated back in the 1800s from college. And when I graduated, <laughs> I'm purposefully not saying when, but if we look yeah. at my LinkedIn profile, we could follow it along. Okay. And... I wanted to be, I wanted to make a difference. And how could I make a difference? And I, I saw a population which were children that were in the system, so to speak. And that system could be defined as probation or mental health system or in social services, county social services. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to be a social worker. What... I didn't pay attention to and didn't think through in my early 20s was the impact of having that amount of responsibility and also having that emotional, I didn't have the emotional, I didn't prepare myself emotionally. It wasn't taking care of my mental health when I thought about it. And it became a very uh, overwhelming and all consuming part of who I was. I, I almost lost Maggie as a person and it was not, it was just, it was incredibly overwhelming. And aside from the fact that I literally couldn't pay my bills and I thought, okay, what, what do I like aside from the actual part that's always going to be in my heart of this being able to help? What, what other piece did I like? This is what I like. And I thought, I don't, I don't know how that applies. Like, I don't know what that means. So now I'm working and my friend's sister was, so I met the nonprofit. My, one of mm -hmm. my coworkers' sister said, Hey, we're looking for an office manager for our music startup. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's a startup? Right. Cause I'm in <laughs> yeah. nonprofit. I don't know what any of this means. And we started talking. I was like, Oh, I love music. That would be super fun. Mm-hmm. 
So that's how that door opened for me. That's how I ended up moving over into tech. I didn't realize it was going to be my career at the time. Yeah. I was in my middle 20s, middle to late 20s. It was a music startup. I was all about seeing all the bands and things that came in mm-hmm. and having fun. And I realized I really, I really loved what I was doing. And at the time in the office manager role, and especially at a startup, you know, shout out to everybody who's done this before. It's not just one defined role, right? I would be building desks on a Friday night. I would be hosting new hire orientation on a Monday morning. I would be entering the information into the payroll. I would be recruiting for the open jobs because you, everything kind of fell under this umbrella of office manager. Mm-hmm. And then I started to be able to define what parts of that role do I like to do and what don't I like to do. And then that kind of began, I guess, my more formal career in human resources. Yeah. Yeah. What a great story about following your curiosity, learning what works for you, what doesn't. Absolutely. And then also it did help. So again, that relationship, that's how I found out about the opportunity. But I also uh, have a real appreciation for the culture shock of when you move from something to something else. Mm -hmm. So while I would look at my career as, as probably primarily linear, but there was always that piece of if I could learn more, I want to do more. You know, so for example, stayed at Yahoo for I don't know, hundred years, whatever I stayed at Yahoo for. So you're you're in the 1900s now, at least. Yeah, I am in the 1900s. Thank goodness. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. 1800s were hard. And yeah. in the and, at Yahoo, I was always constantly learning something different, and there were so many real uh, on the job learnings that I wouldn't expect. That even though my career may have grown with regards to my title, really it was my knowledge of how to how to work in an ever changing, fast paced environment. And how to just the different business things that got thrown at me that I wouldn't have been able to learn in any other way. Yeah, yeah. Love that. So we've sort of moved along your your history and your trajectory. I would love for you to say like, in a couple sentences, like, what is it you do at LinkedIn? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know the business partner role in a talent organization is probably the role that is the least understood Mm. because it is the role that has almost, if we were an octopus, we're almost, we have a little bit of an arm and everything. Mm -hmm. So the business partner role is truly what most employees will experience once they come into the company. So when you're recruited for a company, you're going to be dealing and working with talent acquisition partners And they're going to recruit you, bring you in. And then it's almost like a passing the baton to now the employee and the employee life cycle starts within a company. The business partner works with, typically with an executive at developing a talent strategy on how to achieve their business goals, which sounds really like, ooh, that sounds fancy and lofty. Mm -hmm. So Mm It, it's truly about a leader or a business leader will come to an HR business partner and say, here's what I'm trying to achieve. And then you think the business partner will think through all the aspects of the talent, how the talent, every aspect, and I am leaving that kind of open-ended because it's, it's a larger mm-hmm. picture, and how to deploy the talent and the talent strategy to achieve those business goals. 
Yeah, it sounds like a like a really interesting sort of merging of like strategic thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding, having big picture of like what is available to you in terms of like talent resources, talent development, employee life cycle, how to match that to a current business need from like a business leader and think through strategy and tactics. So I would love to hear like you've been at LinkedIn, you, you mentioned at the top for 10 years now, coming up on 10 years in 2023. What keeps you here? Oh, that's easy. The vision and mission and the people. Mm. I love the people that work at this company. And I really, really love the purpose and purposeful way we approach business. Mm. When you're not at LinkedIn and you hear about it, because I, I, hear, I, I hear my friends with it, right? Because I have friends mm -hmm. that are... Uh, I have friends, I guess is really That's what I great, want to say. That's great, Maggie. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad. Thank you. I've worked on it. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk about some of the, the topics that we discuss and how we make decisions as a business and how we truly think about not only creating this opportunity, but we don't want to do harm to like how important it is, trusted, trusted care, and how mm -hmm. important that is to our customers and our members. And my friends are like, what the actual, huh? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh no, like this is like legit. This is, this is truly how the business is operating. And I, you know, back in 2013, I told you, I didn't think I'd be here 10 years mm -hmm. and I can't imagine going anywhere after this. As a leader at LinkedIn, you oversee a lot, right? But you also touch a lot of pieces of the business and you've interacted with people at all different levels throughout your time at LinkedIn. And I'm wondering like, as a leader, What's like a central piece of your leadership philosophy that's important to you? Mm, that's a great question. Authenticity is my jam. Mm -hmm. And I found, so I'm only talking about myself now because mm -hmm. we were talking about my friends before and I'm like, they're not authentic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh my God. If my friends heard this, they'd be like, she's We'll just cut it out. We'll cut that part cut, out. Cut it out. Yeah. I, the points in my career where I haven't been able to be authentically myself. And l let me step back for a second because authenticity to me doesn't mean I tell everybody my tea. Nobody mm -hmm. needs to know all my business, right? Mm -hmm. Unless I want them to, but typically you wouldn't. But it does mean that I can be true to my values, how I like to express myself. And I recognized in the capacity of what I'm contributing and not how much I'm like the others. And in my career, when I've had to be in that boat that's like the others, I haven't been as happy. And I think we all have moments in our, and some, some more than others, but we all have had moments in our career where we haven't felt like part of the team or part of the group and maybe even felt more ostracized. So in those environments, when I was, when I would not be able to be authentic is, I was very, I would be very unhappy and mm -hmm. I'm grateful to be at a company like LinkedIn. And I was going to touch on my humor because I use my humor a lot. I would want the experience that anybody has with me to feel the same, regardless of the role they're doing at LinkedIn. For me, it's important that I'm this, I show up the same, no matter where I am. Mm -hmm. Now, the exception to that is if I'm on a stage with a mic, <laughs> I don't know what'll happen. Sometimes there's like just this inner woman who uh -huh. comes out and she yeah. likes to perform. Uh -huh. One, she doesn't know how to dance. She sure as heck doesn't know how to sing. 
But she tries, she t- sometimes does both of those things. Right. Sometimes she just wants to try, you know? She yeah. just, you know what? She just wants to be free. She wants to do the best she can. That's what it is. It's like Beyonce's alter ego for the stage, right? Mm. Like something magic just happens up there. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. As if. As if I could <laughs> even be a second as awesome as Sasha mm-hmm. Fierce. Please. Oh, amazing. Maybe that's all of our goal in life, really, secretly, is just to spend a second. Right? Knowing how fabulous we are, like Sasha Fierce does. Right? I definitely have those moments, like, when the air conditioning is blowing my hair in the car. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I wonder if this is what it feels like to be on stage like that. Honestly, I wish I could, like, live my life in a Beyonce video. I just want to have music playing, be walking in slow motion with, like, some sort of fan on my hair. I feel like everything would be great. Right? (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be amazeballs. In all the fabulous clothes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Maybe for 2024. We'll, we'll kick you know what? I'm going to make that an OKR for myself, and I'll explain Great. that to Twila how it relates to being a business partner. <laughs> I just I need to think through that. So I need to think through my strategy there. Okay. All right. All right. Perfect. Okay. Digging into a couple more questions. So, what's your favorite way in which LinkedIn supports your wellness or employee wellness? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Truly the flexibility. Mm. So, I am caregiver for my mom. And the, the fact that I'm able to, if I have to go to a neurological appointment with her or she's been having a series of health issues lately, the fact that I can be very transparent with what's happening and I'm given the space in which to attend to that and not feel guilty or stressed or strained, unbelievable. Mm. And I love... Love, love, love. Again, you're going to see a lot of the social worker come out in me. I love how open we speak about mental health now. Yeah. I, I really think that was one of the silver linings from COVID mm-hmm. and from the pandemic. And we truly had to, this visitor that was always with us at work, which is mental health, mm-hmm. we often wanted to try to check at the door or pretend she wasn't there. And COVID forced us to merge How do we talk about mental health at work? How do we make it normal? And that has been a game changer as well, which I think is amazing. And LinkedIn and LinkedIn's leadership to be vulnerable with talking about themselves. Unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as an employee, I also feel that, right? I've been at LinkedIn for four and a half years now and um, made the transition uh, to becoming a manager year and a half ago or so. And it was during the time of like crazy upheaval that was the pandemic. And then everything that also happened in the two years, two to four years around the pandemic. Right. And I think being part of seeing leadership sort of talk about and emphasize the prioritization of our mental health, but then also the access to the resources that we do have that trickles down, right? Like now as a manager, as a member of my team, we are, and my manager as well. It's like, we are always emphasizing those things in our group meetings. Yeah. Oh, I love to hear that. If you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's interested in pursuing your field or your career, what would it be? I think someone who gets into human resources, and I'm going to speak specifically about a business partner, mm-hmm. has to really understand the why they want to be in a business partner role. 
because this role in general is not one that has a start and stop like some of the other talent functions. Mm -hmm. It tends to be uh, a behind the scenes role. You don't always, you don't, while you may see the work come to life, more often than not, you're planting seeds that you may not see sprout up. And that can sometimes feel disappointing. Hard to measure. Hard to, yeah, hard to measure, disappointing, because yeah. you're like, oh, I tried so hard and I didn't see any fruits of my labor. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of times the work that we do, we won't see mm-hmm. right away. And so I really would want to understand and I would want to make sure that they have the passion, the equal passion for people that you have for business Mm. because business partnering, the business is right in the name. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to have an equal passion for both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to some fun rapid fire questions. What's a song you're listening to on repeat right now? Okay. Anything, absolutely anything by Lizzo. Okay. Anything. I went to the Lizzo concert. (gasps) I had a cape. I got up on the jumbotron with my girls um, fun fact, I also went to Harry Styles with my nieces and my girlfriends. We also got up on the Jumbotron. So I'm telling you, Kate, when there is a mic or an opportunity or a camera, sometimes I don't know who comes out. <laughs> so anything, Lizzo, will always be on repeat on on my playlist. Great. Love Lizzo. Um, what's something that's not on your LinkedIn profile? A lot. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> You imagine. I'm an open book. <laughs> you know, I'm an open, everything's there. Um, something not on my LinkedIn profile. I, but the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater was Jaws. I was four. So let's just go to a side note. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't take a four-year-old to see Jaws. No. And if you if you hear my mother tell the story, she'll tell you I was like 14. Mm-hmm. No, it was, 19, it was 1975. <laughs> I was four years old. Anywho, that's not on my profile, but it's also, I bring that up because it is one of my favorite movies and one of my Mm -hmm. favorite feel-good movies, and not because the shark kills everybody, Mm -hmm. but because I still have such a clear memory of really being in the movie theater with my family. I remember being so excited for a giant tub of popcorn, which of course I thought was all mine because it was on my lap, so of course it was mine, and just that, that sense of excitement to be in the movies and it's still with me to this day I love going to the movie theater and just that fun of being with your family and that that summer blockbuster thrill mm-hmm. that was great love that yeah okay even though I wouldn't take a bath for like two years after it's not a big deal <laughs> because sharks were in there sharks were in any water yes girl I thought sharks were everywhere everywhere I was four years old what is happening but you know what I'm gonna say it and we can we can deny it if we want to, but children of the seventies were raised differently. I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> if you could be a first degree connection with anyone on LinkedIn, who would it be? Oh, first degree connection with anybody on LinkedIn? Mm, probably Conan O'Brien. Okay. How come? Because I'm slightly obsessed with him. Will Ferrell. I love comedians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't All even right. know if Will Ferrell's on LinkedIn. He's not. Well, if he's not, he should be. We'll get him on there. Yeah. What's the worst piece of career or life advice you've ever received? Mm. Uh, when I was working at the startup and uh, it had to do with being not authentic. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy, this will not shock you at all, Kate. Mm-hmm. I enjoy social things. Mm-hmm. And so I would always enjoy doing like the social mixers and planning them and thinking of the themes, even though it had nothing to do with my job. I just like that aspect of it. And my 
boss at the time told me that I would be disrespected by the people that I work with. And I just remember in that moment thinking, one, I don't want to be like her. And two, how, what, what a terrible thing to say to someone who this is something that brings them joy, that they're doing extra to make an environment fun and you want to shoot it down. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was a trippy moment, but it was terrible advice. Yeah. And then on the flip side, what's the best piece of career or life advice you've ever gotten? It's something that I try to stick with to this day and it goes way back to my group home days. So now remember, Mm -hmm. we know we're back in the 1800s Uh or Uh wherever I was. That leader that I told you about that saw in me something I didn't see in myself um, and part of what kind of instilled early on this needing to be authentic no matter who you're with always just instilled in me that importance of being consistent and fair. But that consistency and that fairness is something that I've kind of thread throughout everything that I've done. And I often think back to that, that advice. Well, Maggie, we have been on a journey today. Thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. This was so fun. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. I really love this. I am so excited for our listeners to tune in. Me too. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much. The LinkedIn Life Podcast is a production of LinkedIn Careers. To learn more about life, work, and culture at the world's largest professional network, visit careers.linkedin.com.